0: Welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. And today, we are joined by YouTube OG, that stands for uh, Original Gangsters, for everyone who's not a boomer uh, <laughs> listening to this right now, Justin Silverman, who is the production manager at Screen- Screenwave Media, as well as uh, producer on Cinemassacre, uh, best known for the Angry Video Game Nerd series. So, uh, welcome, Justin. How you doing?
1: Hey, how you doing, guys?
0: We are good. Um, You are a guy who wears a lot of hats. And, you know, we haven't had anyone on this show yet who is a producer on a YouTube Mm. channel. Literally, we haven't talked to a single producer. And that's why I just wanted to get a fresh perspective on what it's like to kind of be behind the scenes, behind the camera, bringing one of the most popular longest lasting like legacy YouTube shows of all time to life still, you know, in 2020. Uh when we talked to uh Pat Contry about, you know, his channel and Pat the NES Punk and I was doing video game comedy. I mean, I had mentioned that Angry Video Game Nerd was one of the first things, along with uh like Chad Vader and Blame Society films, that really got me to think Like, wow, this YouTube thing is really cool. Like, I want to do this too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think James and Cinemassacre also inspired my own, you know, kind of things back in the day because I saw the first AVGN episode that I ever saw was the Ninja Turtles one in like 2006. Um, But, you know, I I came on board doing producing and editing stuff for uh, the channel in like 2017. Um, and I've been doing more producing and everything at Screenwave, um, which is a multi-channel network and game publisher and a few other things since 2015. But, um, for that, I was doing YouTube since like 2010. And I think I met you along the way in in that area. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been going pretty good. Um, yeah, I I guess James is definitely the (laughs) OG of this entire thing. I, I just kind of been along for the ride. I th- I
0: think he's on the Mount Rushmore as far as I'm concerned.
1: Uh probably. Like- I mean uh up until twenty twelve I think um Cinemassacre James Nintendo Nerd the channel was like the top in the top ten of YouTube by subscribers and views and all that stuff, but after you know, a lot of stuff happened, like you started working on the movie and you had things happening with the um, gaming world where like Game Grumps and Let's Play, started getting bigger and badder. So, you know, and so many people started doing more YouTube, being inspired by people like that, that, you know, I, th- I don't know where it lands now, but you know, everything's still going pretty well. He pops up
2: all the time when people talk about what's the, what's the first channel you got into? What's the earliest mm-hmm. thing that, that you really remember? And it's, there are like two answers to that question a bunch of one-off things, you know, where people remember the kind of one hit wonders on YouTube and then hardly any who had a long series, a long show. And most everybody who had those back in the day, they've flamed out, moved on to other things. Uh, They lost their popularity, whatever it was. And so um, it's, it's awesome that you say, you know, what, what it's been like three years, something like that, that you've been directly involved over there. But it was 10 or 12 years uh, at that point, right? Yeah. That, that the, the show had gone on. And it's kind of remarkable that uh, he's, he's evolved and changed a bunch of ways and all of that. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool to see, to hear people bring up this thing. It's, it's sort of like an Elvis level thing where you've got the fifties Elvis and the 68 comeback special <laughs> Elvis. And then he's got like the jumpsuit in in the seventies and uh, this Vegas Elvis, um, and is growing in popularity. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be time. here
1: for the uh, the Elvis on the toilet stage of <laughs> Cinemassacre. I
0: was going to say, yeah, what, where's like the choking uh, on a ham sandwich?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, James, James Rolf shooting the TV. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shooting great. TV, so yeah. what, we're, what we're
2: trying to say is that James has a, a severe eating and drug problem that nobody knew about until this
1: podcast. So yeah, who doesn't? That's <laughs> a,
0: <yeah. laughs> well, I wanted to, to ask you, though, about – when you and I met, because did did you was so you were doing Underbelly uh, in two thousand ten yeah. well, two thousand eleven when when you and I, I first met?
1: I guess we'll go way back. Um, I guess we'll, we'll we'll bring well we'll we'll go over the whole story. Um, I, I think I met James when I was in college in two thousand four. Um, I was at uh, Rutgers camden doing film stuff in uh, camden new jersey he was across the river at uarts he was a senior i was a freshman um he'd pop by different um things we were doing like film festivals all that stuff but we didn't know much about youtube and like it was kind of played down you know at that point if you wanted to make something you had to make an indie film and put it into festivals and it was like a disaster so youtube changed all that uh flash forward several years um i was working at nfl films As a, uh, you know, where they do all the the football videos and stuff as an editor, and um, I started getting into uh, camera stuff. But uh, with the um, financial crisis of 2008 and stuff, they pretty much let all their freelancers and everyone go or made everyone seasonal, and it was a disaster. So, um, you know, I pretty much saw what James was doing and others, so I decided to make uh, my own YouTube channel, which is called Underbelly. Um, which we had for, you know, we had some pretty popular videos back in the day, a lot of gaming stuff. Um, we we're probably one of the first groups that was putting, like, actual voice actors into their own cosplay of their characters and filming them and stuff like that. Um, and that's where we got hooked up with Screw Attack and I met James again and we'd borrow each other's props and talk and all that. Um, eventually, you know, we hop from Screw Attack to, um, Next New Networks that started with, with Michael that started Vsauce. And I believe Vsauce originally, as it was told to us, was supposed to be like a um, collaboration channel or almost like its own little sub network of all these different channels, including Underbelly. I think it was also Andre um, from Black Nerd Comedy and also Screen Team and someone else. And then it just after uh next new networks turned into YouTube Next Labs and they got bought out and Google bought every it was like a whole mess. We were kind of. Cast on our Merry Way, um, and then they started making the other like Vsauce two and three. After Michael grew the Vsauce brand a lot, um, and we collaborate, we were still working with Michael and Vsauce for a while. And then we eventually went with Maker Studios and the Game Station on our own thing. Kind of fell apart. I started doing a channel called Silvermania, which was definitely very uh, hate fueled and shit posty. Um, <laughs> and then eventually I cut the crap, decided to be an adult, I guess, and. Started working at uh Screenwave, uh the MCN, uh mostly for retro gaming at first and now into, you know, animation, all the other stuff we do. And then I've just kind of been doing that since and when I when I heard that um Ryan shot who's the, the president and also, you know, like like I don't think Cinemassacre would make would have ever made money without Ryan kind of monetizing it through apps and websites and all that kind of stuff back in the day. Um you know, um he pretty much was like, Hey, uh James is kinda feeling some burnout from all this kind of stuff. Can you guys uh help? This, that so we started kinda helping with editing here and there, video stuff and now we're, you know, pretty much um helping completely from scripting to down the line and now we have videos out three days a week. Um different shows and we get you know it, it's going well so that's pretty much the story and hopefully <laughs> it doesn't end there but you know we're still working on stuff every day but
0: sorry i want to back up a second who is ryan sure. who is ryan
1: R- ryan shot he um is the president of screenwave media
0: oh okay and so and james has been with uh screenwave for a while now or
1: since it since it pretty much i think like twenty. 20- Twenty fifteen or sixteen, whenever the contract with Maker expired, uh, Maker Studios, um, they came, you know, to finally be with us. But there's been a relationship between Ryan and James and uh, Mike for years um, before, where they would do, um, you know, merch and websites and ads and things like that, uh, apps for you know before you take like like before YouTube became monetizable, uh, you know.
0: Oh, so he was finding ways before the partner program way back in the day.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Including the game trailers and MTV and all that stuff. So, that a lot of that happened back in the day. Um, you know, Ryan's always been more of the business of, you know, James always been way more of the creative um, and Mike as well. So, and me, I'm mainly, <laughs> I mainly do the, you know, production and scheduling and that kind of stuff.
0: And how is he, because the whole burnout thing is something that we've talked about with a lot of creators a million times Mm -hmm. and Matt and I just amongst ourselves and ways to, you know, mitigate that. How's, how's James, how did he take to, you coming on board and, and having putting out more content, but that content is being you know facilitated by actually having people help you make it.
1: I think it helped that he was already connected with Screenwave and also connected with Ryan and knew me from back in the day. And we did some test episodes and other videos together before, um, you know, so it kind of like worked out slowly and then quickly became quicker and quicker and quicker until – You know, after like episode, you know, 140, when you're already in that range uh, of those kind of that show, you know, you start needing some more help.
2: (laughs) Probably before then. (laughs) Yeah. It jumps out at me. Two things jump out at me. The first one is how useful it is to meet somebody way back in the day. You, You never know what that's going to turn into. Yeah. You've got to just do a million things. And talk to everybody and get to know them because the odds of crossing paths later on are just
1: a lot higher. That's definitely something that a lot of people nowadays – need to learn when people very quickly cancel each other or go after each other or that kind of environment which you know i did a lot of burning bridges from (laughs) 2000 uh i don't know 13 to 15 which i've been you know rebuilding i guess over the last few years successfully but um i think a lot of people are so quick to just kick people out of their lives or not give people a chance or whatever and um you know i can see that being a problem mind you a lot of it's just and a lot of people are out of control too but i don't know we live in very interesting times and it's interesting to see how the youtube thing worked out from 2006 to when it became monetizable to now um because a lot of it's (laughs) crazy and you know at the end of the day we're middle of the road youtubers in terms of like these giant giant you know big people and people just trying it out. Like I think what is it? The number one career choice for kids in middle school is YouTuber now. Um, yeah. In China, it's astronaut just to give you a, uh,
0: <laughs> I saw that tweet. Know. I saw that tweet. I didn't, it might be, I, fake. I didn't like that tweet because I thought you to myself, <laughs> <laughs> I replied, I said, you know what? God forbid that these kids want to be creatively fulfilled and entrepreneurs, when they grow up, there are worse things than that. They're
1: they're they're adding the A to stem its steam. Is that that the kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, dude. Listen, I yeah. graduated with an art art degree. It sucks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's a sufficient amount of time, though, for people like us who like we we all came in the same era, basically. Mm. You know, you're talking about what James was doing, uh, what you were doing at. You said it was uh, Rutgers Camden, yeah, mm, yeah, Rutgers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was about the same time we were doing similar stuff, Kevin and I were. Mm-hmm. you know, So we're in the same bracket and it's finally been long enough. It's been that like 15 years to 15, 20 years to, to circle back with some of those people. And that's what I, I think a lot of the newer people are missing. Like they haven't had sufficient time to see the networking and the people and the opportunities play out. You know, Jake from Vsauce 3 was talking about how he met Casey Neistat Back in the day, before either one was considering anything, YouTube before YouTube you know, existed, I don't even know if the yeah, 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 it was around that same time where you meet a guy and you do some projects with him and that's cool, and you you uh, continue to know him and you know eventually they worked on a pretty big thing yeah, that you know that was really cool, um, but there's no substitute for that time. So what do you do? How do you tell somebody who? started their channel in 2018 and they've grown this good fan base, you know, maybe they've got a couple hundred thousand subs and a lot of people watch their videos. Like how do you impress upon these people who have not experienced the two things that jumped at me when, when you started talking about your path, mm-hmm. number one, the people coming back around and, and having that develop over the years. And number two, working with other people like that's such a foreign concept to so many YouTubers and you get, Successful people who have just done all of their own shooting, editing, everything, everything.
1: Yeah, you, and you pretty much the way forward. have three types of YouTubers. I don't know what the percentages are, but you have people that are a really good solid team and they get it. You know, guys like like you know, when when Linus Tech Tips was full steam and all that, like stuff like that. You have the people who are single creators um, who are doing it all on their own, and sometimes they get help, but generally they get help from other smaller creators that want to be them, and there's a lot of fighting back and forth between that and how much they make, and then you're doing that. Um, and then pretty much you just have uh, the third, where I guess I guess at that point you're just doing it all by yourself, and that's probably the most, I guess in terms of going from the least burnout to the most, when you start spreading that across to most people, because right now on um of Massacre we have... Um one, two, three like seven people working on it. Some part time, some doing this, some for freelance art, some editing, things like that. But um, you know, it's like five people's full time jobs. Um it's my full time job if you count forty hours a week, but I work way more hours a week, so you know.
0: That's always the funniest thing to me when I still get tweets and comments from people that say, What do you do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um,
1: no, one don't I? Everything do <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like
0: I don't know if you noticed, but that whole like Vsauce two thing kind of takes up a lot of time. I'm not like it's not like I'm moonlighting as Vsauce two while I'm like preparing taxes all day as a CPA. You know, it doesn't really it doesn't really work that way. When you were outlining the different mm. types of YouTubers, one thing that stood out to me is this this crop of. um I don't know what you would call it, but like production companies that now are YouTube channels that kind of didn't mm-hmm. exist, you know, five, six, seven years ago. I mean, uh, maybe- I mean,
1: look at Corridor Digital. Look at even guys who have been around forever, like Mega64, where they kept getting other people and doing things and now have a big merch business and work with, um, you know, AAA game companies and stuff like that. Um, some people do it like they have a production company and then they start doing YouTube or they do this or do that. Um In the similar vein of either you, you know, have a really strong personality and then you become a creator or you become a creator and you luck into it and then you have to make a personality. Um, So there's a lot of different roads to get here, I guess.
0: Yeah, like even like like Hot Ones, that's owned by like Complex or some gigantic – Media company. It's not like Sean Evans got his buddies together with some hot wings and like called up, you know, <laughs> Snoop Dogg because he he knows. Yeah, him.
1: I I I didn't know like where hot ones came from. I tried researching it one day because I'm like, oh, is this like an offshoot of the uh the gaming one that they had? Um, what was that called? <sighs> I don't... They had like the gaming you eat like hot peppers and you play you, you like review games and stuff. I thought one of them left and then started this one, or someone ripped the idea off. Like it's it's very weird.
0: Oh. Yeah, I forgot about that. No, I don't I don't think that that's the same people at yeah. all. Yeah, like the Hot Pepper
1: Gaming thing. That's it, Wasn't yeah. Wasn't
0: that Aaron Hansen that did that? Ego Rath He or? might have been
1: part of that, but he has a huge company now and a touring company and a bunch of other stuff. Like, they they really pivoted from uh, the Let's Play stuff and really figured it out. So that happens a lot, too, is you, you know, you're doing animation stuff, and then now you have to do um, a bunch of Let's Plays because that's what YouTube wants you to do to make money, and now you have all this income, so you can start hiring people, and hey, you can get Guess what? All your buddies need to go on tours or, hey, what? We need to do this or that. So um, sometimes you look into that or even us at Screenwave, like we had all these um, talented gaming people. So they like, hey, we can probably make our own games. We know who to give them to, you know. Um, So sometimes you go down different uh, avenues like that.
2: So at what point does somebody need you? At what point do you think somebody should get a Justin Silverman in their life, even if it's not full time? But just somebody to do some of the things that you do. Well, from like, when th- does a channel hit that? From birth,
1: I guess. I mean, well, that's well, wait, that sounds fucking <laughs> weird. Never mind. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm really good at. Uh, I don't think there's many people that do it. I do just because I'm have you know my hands on so many stupid different things. Um, I think most channels can. Use a, a, an extra hand, pair of hands editing, um, editing. Uh, I think that's really important, but a lot of people are kind of control freaky and don't want to trust someone else to their stuff. Um, mm-hmm. especially if that person is going to use some footage that they shouldn't have put in something later. Cause that happened, I think recently with another, um, was it the video where the the girl was kicking her dog or something like that? Like, so stuff like that happens. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot. Yeah. So a
0: streamer or something, didn't she throw her dog or something?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but I definitely think like, cause I, I came from a production background and just growing up being a, gaming movie guy, and then decide, hey, I'll just talk about what I know, and that's it. But now a lot of people just see this stuff growing up as, like, this is their content, and then they try and make the same thing. So it's a little different. To use someone like me in what you're doing, you probably need, like, I don't know, like a like a... At least there's no like bar, like 500k subscribers, and these, you know, it's like the YPP program, but you get me showing up at your door. Um, <laughs> but I definitely think extra helps. Like, if you're ever feeling burnout in a certain area, you can easily um, off, you know, put that onto something else. But trouble is, and you're dealing with now you're paying people and you're doing payroll, and most YouTubers don't know anything about taxes. There's that.
2: No, we, uh, yeah, we heard Mr. Beast in that interview on H3. He, it was a surprise to him that when he started giving away tons of money, the recipients of that money were responsible to the IRS yep. as having received a gift of a certain amount. And like He'd never even considered that, that you couldn't just give somebody like $30,000 and then everybody's happy. Uh, and he talked about that being a bit of a revelation, but that's reality,
1: isn't it? That's kind of tough because then you have these YouTubers. Let's let's say there's this group crop of middle schoolers that are trying to be YouTubers, but all they know about YouTube is, "Hey, Mr. Beast gave away two million dollars. I want to do that. I can make do that by being generous doing that, not understanding taxes or, or, or like." That this entire thing with Mr. Beast is kind of gaming the system through not clickbait, but like people are watching it for that reason because this country has an unhealthy obsession with being rich and everyone being a millionaire when that's not the case. Everyone, you know, strive for, you know, or or strive for 50,000 a year kind of a thing. I don't know. Uh, It's tough. I was in a
0: I was in a creator uh, like Twitter DM group where I was the old man trying to give advice on like taxing and like what do i do i yeah. have these taxes how do i do it like who do i talk to like that that basic
1: level of, of advice that's what's helpful at Screenwave is we, uh, handle a lot of that stuff for Cinemask or other YouTube channels where we have paid employees. We're doing the taxes. We're doing the laws. We have the legal counsel. We have, um, the health insurance. We have this, this, and that because we've had to build it for ourselves. So, and I know there's a lot of groups out there that are trying to bring that or unionize gaming or, or YouTube or any of that stuff. And a lot of people don't really understand the laws, especially in California, which is messy. Um, you know we're we're happily planted in Pennsylvania so that's good for different reasons um but i don't know um there's a lot of stuff that a lot of these people don't know that are outside of like you know just the social like you know fighting on twitter and how to make a video and all that um
0: you know it sounds like screenwave is actually providing value like to me These networks, uh, like the MCNs, the multi-channel networks that have come Mm. and gone over the years, always seemed so predatory to me. It was always like, oh, sign Mm. away your life and we'll own everything and we'll pretty much do nothing, but we'll promise that you'll make more money somehow. But actually, you won't. And it seems like Screenwave and and hopefully there are other companies now that are actually looking out for creators and helping them.
1: Well, what helps about Screenwave, it was a creator-made thing. You know, for and by, I guess. It's still privately owned. It, you know, the trouble with Maker and all these is, um, you know, they get so bloated because um, pretty much the main thing MCNs do is, you know, uh, you sign your channel with them and then YouTube will pay you between them. So you're kind of like a middleman. You take the money uh, and you, you doll it out to the people and then you take a percentage of, you know, like whatever, you know, back in the day there were like 60, 40 splits. And now you see mostly 80-20 80, 80 20 to 95-5 splits, depending on the network. Some are 100-0, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, and that's what happened to um, MatPat, is he signed with Defy, I believe, for a 100-0 contract, meaning all the money that he makes, YouTube gives to Defy, who then gives to him 100% of, and then Defy gets to put him in like brand deals and all these other ways to make money. But what Defy was doing was putting it into a big sack with all the other creators to show how much money they have and then selling the company of hey we're a twenty million dollar company see all this money we have selling it and then like then running off scot free like a few people like that kind of happened to maker and a few other places or they show how big and bad they are like that someone like Disney goes, wow, that's a lot of money, and buys them out and realizes, uh oh, these people are like some of them are are problem makers, some of them like when they're not making as much money. They're they're bleeding. This this is bad. We just gotta scrap it and sell it. Screw it. And that happened to most of the big MCNs.
2: Kevin and I were talking the other day about uh, it's a little bit of an offshoot on what you were saying, where um, you can be in that situation where money is maybe somewhere you don't know where it is and you're not certain what's happening. And by the time you find out how that's working, you're generally in a bad spot yes. and, and you may have trouble getting that money at all. Um, But we were talking about how important it is in in, uh, contracts to have a review, uh, to have an audit of sorts of your account with those people. Usually, you can get one like every 12 months or something like that. Mm. And I don't know very many people who take advantage of that and use it. But there's no shame in having the place open up your part of the books to you for your inspection periodically. So you can identify one of those problems before it hits. And it's so easy to trust that things are going the way they should. Uh, And I mean, it's even hard to conceive of some of the quirky ways these people route their money, right? Uh, And so it's a total offshoot thing. But we were just talking about how important it is to take advantage of that and not feel like a jerk for doing it. You know, you're not a bad person for saying, hey, let's go over how this actually works because Mm -hmm. I'm contractually entitled to view that process and it's healthy for me to do it. You know, it feels a little weird. It's sort of like, you know, if if you... Had like once a year, you could go through your boyfriend's or girlfriend's phone and like read all the texts. You know, it's got that weird greasy feeling to it. <laughs> right, but it's not like that. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot more normal. It's really an accounting thing.
1: Yeah, I think that we have a, a strong business and also friendly relationship with a lot of the channels and creators and people because we also have like an agency and brand deals and from um, our our um, indie game devs that work with us. We're very very transparent. Um and that's very well into our contracts. We say, hey, make sure to have, a, have a, one of your own lawyers or accountants look at this. Like it's very, yep. you know, it's kind of a, a race to get as many channels. It was a, kind of like a YouTube space race, as it were, arms race, I guess. Um, that left a lot of companies broken, left people hiding in the Philippines, uh, which are still active. I don't want to like, you know, blow up any other YouTube networks, but it's just kind of like
0: eh, somewhere a little iffy. Well, Bart Baker ran away to China. Right. Wasn't he, What was that involved in like the maker blow up? Cause I know he was uh, yeah. with maker and then I don't yeah, know his he story.
1: Do you know a his lot story? of people went to different tax shelters? Yeah. I, re- I remember when that happened. Cause we were with maker kind of at the tail end and I had a lot of friends that, uh, you know, jump ship from there and went to other places like machinima or whatever. And, um, they're full screen. And a lot of those things have their own issues as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure the full story of what happened with Maker, but I know it was messy. Um, I think all these things had fire festival levels of issues <laughs> going on by the end because you had these people that kind of didn't know what they're doing start this big company and get all this money. And uh, it, it's kind of rough.
0: Wasn't Defy the company that, that screwed over Smosh?
1: Maybe I know alloy. The trouble is they're all like all the names. They kind of mix in. I okay. don't really remember, <laughs> but there's only a few left. Um, screenway is probably the biggest, um, independent one. And we're mainly boutique network to, to Google who sees us as, you know, cause we talk to them like, like our YouTube reps, like many times a week. It's not like we don't, you know, that's, so that's a helpful service we provide too. And channels get taken down, especially if YouTube of limited ads and all the stuff that's going on there with Copa and all that stuff you need someone to get your back sometimes so
0: yeah i just remember that smosh all overnight was all of a sudden like hi we're we're out of business i guess so um yeah a bye, lot of I these guess. a lot a lot of these
1: production <laughs> companies crazy. or even i mean uh, a similar situation would happen if let's say screenwave went down because then you'd start losing members who are working on cinemassacre every day and similar situation but imagine if like like a two hundred, you know, well, a thousand percent of your production is into another company that just goes belly up. You're done, and that's kind of what happened there. And you know, it's tough.
0: And then Mythic bought them. I'm pretty sure. Um,
1: yeah, Let- I think they're doing okay Letton now. Link's but then, company. like yeah, the two, yeah, like a lot of the bigger ones who kind of survived the channels have, um, you know. Uh, diverse themselves enough to where now they can absorb other people and make like little clicks and little companies. And that's kind of what's going on. And mind you, they get like big brand deals and they're doing very well from the sales, but then they have to employ like 25, 50 people, stuff like that.
2: You mentioned, or it's hard to, it's hard to talk about an issue like this without throwing channels and people and companies under the bus. Yeah. That's, that makes it really tough to, to do properly. And you talked about, uh, burning bridges, Mm. you know, years ago. Um, can we, can we, as the three of us commit to burning one bridge on this podcast today, a brand new bridge, can we just burn
1: <laughs> Well, I was going to burn the bridge to you guys, but, <laughs> you it's know. A, it's, been
2: a, it's been a little too long for me since I've, I've gotten the flamethrower out for that kind of thing. And I thought, well, if we do
1: it together, it won't be that it won't be that bad.
0: Well, all we've talked about so far are companies that don't exist anymore. So yeah, I kind of feel bad about
1: you know the much. but you know yeah. uh, with us, we that's we've, the climate that we've all lived in. Though there's something yeah. what we've been talking about a lot is change, and YouTube's been changing since day one and when it looked and how it looked then to how it looks now and how it went from you know guys filming at the zoo and trying to make a a video platform for everyone being owned by the one of the largest companies on earth um controlled by an ai that does things um that are very positive <laughs>
2: wait m- wait matt so <laughs> and, what what bridge do you want to burn yeah there you go i don't have in one mind i was, oh. i don't have one in, in mind but i'm hoping that i'm hoping that one of you two does that there's just one you want to oh it, it it'll a be like a,
1: like a wrestling promo it'll be like hey brother screw this guy <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs>
0: no 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 i don't think so yeah
1: um we're we're coming for you ryan toy reviews you're out (laughs) of here
0: (laughs) oh my gosh have you seen the amount of ryan's toy reviews toys that are in walmart
1: it's well they had to you know with with copa they had you know all that stuff coming up which they probably knew about way before they had to just go right to selling shit
0: oh good
2: point
1: you know we had you know they
2: got out in front of
1: that didn't they Wow, I, I hadn't really put that together,
2: but they did a nice job of getting a head start on that.
1: Or look at something like uh, Little Baby Bum, because that, cause that was the YouTube war of 2014, uh, like like 17. It was these kids' channels that came out of nowhere and took over everything, and then instantly in like a day were all gone. Um, the ones with like that,
0: pregnant Elsa and Spider-Man?
1: Yeah, a lot of that, like more of the predatory type um videos or like and then eventually you know went into like the like the uh, daddy of five type you know like families that were just abusing their kids to get youtube clout and all that and uh you know and and now it's kind of mellowed out a little bit um there's a lot of checks and balances in the system now like people that you know make reactionary videos or the uh Twitter mafias and things like that, where it's kind of hard to kind of scam the system anymore. And YouTube's pretty good at that with making sure that a lot of channels are on the up and up. But, you know, sometimes if you slip through, I guess.
0: Well, they they instituted new quality ratings or something like that. Like, Like they added a whole thing to their algorithm that has to do with like quality content Signif- signifiers or something—I don't know. Didn't uh, didn't coffee break talk talk about that um, when we talked to him? when
2: we talked to when we talked to coffee break? That was when just when the P score thing had dropped, where you know each each video and mm-hmm. channel were assigned that P mysterious P value that could go up and down several times a day uh, with advertiser suitability and you know this vague quality rating thing because we talked about uh at that point it was possible to go into the source code uh of the dashboard and and see what your p-value was and they closed that loophole very very quickly you know it took them like 48 hours um but you could look up other channels too i guess and so they were just comparing kind of suitability and i remember talking about how um i was talking to a bunch of commentary type guys and you know that's such a volatile space that their ratings were quite low compared to something like, uh, like Michael with Vsauce. You know, he, he hadn't put out a video in a while at that point, but his rating was very high and you knew that that content was going to get served constantly. There were no, no hitches and no speed bumps with that whole process where the guys with the low scores were deemed to have questionable quality videos You know, I know all their videos. They're good stuff. You know, you've got to be into it. It's got to be your thing to want to watch it. But it's not anything inherently bad about production or content, nothing on that. Uh, But they were still getting hammered on this score because this, this little, you know, equation decided that their quality was different.
1: Yeah, I mean, the algorithm and YouTube's job is to get as many people as possible to watch video for as long as possible and keep their advertisers happy. Um, And then they assign you different CPMs and P scores and all that stuff to, you know, uh, however they want to do that to keep keep it wrangled. Because mind you, it's the biggest, on the other side, it's also the biggest platform in the world for you can upload whatever you want, anything. And they have to have so many systems in checks so you don't upload this porn or you don't do this or you don't that. Uh, maybe they went a little too far here and there, uh, constantly, but it's still, <laughs> unfortunately, the best place to, you know, broadcast yourself, um, as they say. And yeah, they definitely give more love to well established things or celebrities. And I'm ready to burn that bridge against Will Smith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, he made a song for Wild Wild West and Men in Black, but not Independence Day. What the hell was that? You know? <laughs>
0: That's why you're bringing – Imagine that brain. song. That's why just you
1: <laughs> take a take – a, steal a, another Stevie Wonder song and just make it an Independence Day song. I don't know. Yeah, so,
0: and it could replace it, the Star-Spangled Banner as like a
2: national anthem.
1: Oh, after the fact. That's a good idea. But mm-hmm. then, they, then they made a resurgence and the whole Ind- uh, Independence Day thing kind of fell apart. But yeah.
2: <laughs> That's a big one. I mean, it takes serious balls to go up against – a famous YouTuber like Will Smith.
1: (laughs) Ah, that's hot. That's hot. Uh, (laughs) YouTube rewind. That's perfect.
0: Uh, Uh, I want to switch gears for a second because there's another thing that you're involved with that no one else that we've spoken with is. And I just would love to hear more about the convention scene. So you're involved with a convention called Too Many Games. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a retro gaming convention uh, that takes place every year. Um, Yeah. How many years now?
1: (sighs) I think it started in something like 2002 in different names and forms and iterations, but it's probably been, um, it's been in the same venue now since um, about 2011. Um, And I, started there at, uh, being on board as a, like a volunteer in 2012. So, um, this would be my, like, I think my ninth rodeo this year. So,
0: and what's you know. your, what's your role? You just go there and volunteer your time and
1: help um, set things up or organize I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm staff now, but, um, mostly event management. I mean, cause you know, in the, uh, you know, there, there's a kind of a connection between Screenwave media and too many games. Cause, um, uh, the, the two owners of that convention work here, including uh, Ryan uh, Shot. So, you know, we're working on, most of my jobs work on Cinemassacre and then of course all my Screenwave um, stuff, um, getting everything pumped out here. But then I also, especially in uh, the end of June, working on the Too Many Games convention, which is getting more into, it was probably the largest retro video game convention in the country up there with stuff like Portland Retro and things like that. But it's um, kind of pivoting to, uh, modern gaming, you know, we got to have a Fortnite dance contest and uh, you know, uh, probably the biggest uh, Smash Brothers tournament um, in the state, I'm guessing um, the Smash Adelphia and you know we have like cosplay wrestling in a, in a, in a real ring, we have big concerts um, we have a like a big console area arcades, panels, the whole uh, pro- probably one of the largest uh, marketplaces, like uh, like retro games and all that stuff, that's still very big and I know you've been there um i believe and you know uh but yeah we do that and that helps because we have a you know a uh with the screenwave ties we have like a big party there for our partners and other youtube people we bring out the guests um like this year we have david hater the voice of solid snake and also uh mario charles martinet um so you know that that's kind of good because then we can also then poach these people in new videos with them and all that stuff so we like doing that as well like last year uh, after too many games, we brought like twelve or so YouTubers uh and shot a bunch of videos that we could use for the rest of the year for the rental review show on Cinemassacre. So that's good. But yeah, it's just been—I consider too many games to be a smaller thing I do, but it's it's growing because now that 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 company itself has full-time employees as well and um warehouse space and all these different things. So um but no, but that that's a lot of fun to do. Um and I go to a lot of conventions, maybe two to three a month um on what? a weekend. Two yeah, to three probably. a month. Yeah, sometimes some are same weekends, but um sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less a month, but it's it's never less than two um i was just at oh i was was just at astronomicon (laughs) in detroit um which is a pop culture convention run by the uh uh, magic ninja guys with twisted you remember like they used to be on icp yeah so now there's like a juggalo horror monster convention in detroit so we we run their uh video game and registration area as too many games and we meet a lot of people there um let's see wait do you Uh, wear um juggalo face makeup (laughs) I should, um, man. What do they call that? There's like a name. I don't know. Uh, no, but they, they seem Would nice. Would you rather have
2: there. ten cinema fans or a hundred thousand mainstream fans? What What do you mean? Oh, that's a that's a.
1: a- uh, juggalo so. oh yeah <laughs> like they're that? really big on family and and fago and uh yeah. there's actually a water park in this in this uh, building so that was always fun but it's also <laughs> in detroit and i don't know um but that's a great show um but i was there a few weeks ago and now i have to go to uh what's next week pax east is next week yep. that's our biggest show so we have a huge booth there and we're going to show games a screen wave on the floor um that's usually in april but now it's in uh, next week so it's probably gonna snow and i got I. Sorry if anyone's listening from Boston but I hate Boston. The roads it's 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 a mess. Um well, Matt knows I all to, about that. Matt lived yeah. there for yeah. a while.
2: Yeah. I was there probably 5 years and and you're right that just things stop being fun from like November oh.
1: to April. And then the goddamn teamsters at the at the convention center are always on us like
2: Is that where it is at the Heinz Convention Center? No,
1: it's at the uh, I think this is in Mill City. It's it's at the um the BCEC the uh whatever the biggest one is that's there now i don't know like a okay. hundred thousand people show up to this damn thing but yeah 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 you know you, yeah you,
2: yeah so that's just a mess to get down to
1: yeah and yeah you pull your you know we, we bring a truck up from philly with all the stuff that we need for the, the booth and stuff and those guys eye us up and they see someone in an eagles jersey or something and then it's a problem wow so you gotta so you gotta get out and you gotta be like and they're like hey what's your problem like i don't know buddy i'm just trying to park my fucking truck here you know like you gotta (laughs) go under the radar pull Um, out the
0: peter griffin impersonation
1: (laughs) you're gonna get run down by a forklift like it's 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 you know like doing the convention stuff's kind of a hard gig i mean not if you're playstation because then they just deliver everything build it for you and then you show up but that costs like two million dollars you know we we do we, we are very like something that compares Uh, Or too many games in screen wave and all these operations it was we keep our budgets way down so you know i'm i'm moving pallets you know like and then i'm filming stuff and then i'm meeting people and then i'm doing this then i'm doing that so um that's kind of how you have to do things um and then there's other conventions in la and dallas and florida like i'm all you know i don't know i got i got a lot of uh flight miles but this um, that is, I don't, is all for Screenwave.
0: This, this isn't like your personal time going to these conventions. Because that's what I thought when you no. first said that. You're like, oh, I go to Oh, all no, 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 no. How don't, much I stuff don't, are you a fan of? Because that's I don't like pretty go, intense.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. I don't, I don't go to conventions on my own merit. I go to so many for this. There's no point. I, example, you know, like you see, you know, I'm like this big movie gaming guy. I don't have any like – Games at my house. Everything's at the office. I don't when I go home. It's just like separate it completely, kind of a thing. Um, so I don't have like a game room or like a like a movie vault or any of that or posters hanging everywhere. I got all on my stupid office at work, you know. So, um, <laughs> you know, like where we actually built a, a video store and a game store in our in our basement and have arcades and crap like that. And it's all great until you electrocute yourself, you know, uh, trying to fix a Neo Geo <laughs> cabinet. So. <laughs> For fun, by the way. There's no point to do it. So, um, I don't know. We, 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 we definitely do a lot and we definitely, you know, it's fun doing stuff every day, but you know, they're, are long days. Like they're, you know, like 10 to 10, um, 12 hours a day, just getting stuff done. And I know you guys are the same way. You know, there's a lot of fun, a lot of breaks, a lot of doing things, a lot of meetings, doing lovely podcasts like this. I guess that's considered work, I guess. I don't know. Uh, uh. Um,
2: but it's hard with those events, though, because you say 10 to 10, but it's very easy to take opportunities to go to make it from like 10 to 3 a.m. You know, if you want to push it into the nightlife with the people who you maybe not – you don't see very often and it's it's good to have oh. fun with them go out, you can absolutely do that.
1: And yeah, then- so – you can use um, – you can go to your browser and you can type uh, isjustininthehottub.com <laughs> and um, it'll tell you if I'm currently in or not in a hot tub because um, usually that's where uh, I end up at a hotel after a long day at a con and that's how a lot of people find me because someone made it uh, uh, as a joke uh, and now it, it's an active thing. I don't know how it works, but as soon as I step in a hot tub, <laughs> it goes on. You can check it, you know um, – you know, just go to Is Justin in the Hot Tub. It's, it's linked off my Twitter, but, um. Have you been to a hot
2: tub, tub convention?
1: <laughs> yes. Well, um, something I used to do when I was doing the Silvermania show is, uh, much like, you know, uh, the Eric Andre kind of whatever type and other type Joe goes, um, you know, uh, uh, videos, we would go to like, you know, reptile conventions and hot tub conventions or golf shows or, uh, brony cons and stuff and just fuck with people, um, so we, we you know we were kind of dicks but it was funny. So we did that for a while but now I re- we just do it mostly.
0: I remember you know. that. I remember watching some of those videos. Did you ever have any really like harrowing or scary encounters going to conventions and just kind of messing with people there?
1: Uh I've gotten real drunk and just like shown up like like they'd be like, dude, you didn't know what you did, man. It's it's such a mess. I'd like have like a fire extinguisher <laughs> with me in some room. And um, I, I've had a lot of fun at a lot of conventions, but I've kind of calmed down a lot. So that's good, too. But um, I know a lot of conventions now like uh, Khan, which is an anime con in D.C., they destroy that hotel. Um, absolutely. So
0: God, you would think that the hotel wouldn't have them back. Or do they just change hotels?
1: <laughs> no, they probably make so much money and it's at a time of year where they don't care. They don't you what know? what 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 what's a few broken exit signs when, you know, they're charging five hundred dollars a room night? Yeah. That's crazy.
0: I when when we first started on the convention talk, you know, you mentioned volunteering and then that turning into like a staff position. Is that something that you think like other people could, could learn from? Like if they're really into some sort of convention or some sort um, of scene to, to volunteer for conventions
1: a few years? and that stuff kind of, um, have their own pools of drama and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, maybe, maybe not. It might be good just to like hang out, but a lot of those places are just going to use you forever as a permanent volunteer or you'll show your colors and the place might be good and then they'll promote you. And then you can do that. Um yeah, I know a lot of people that have been lifers at a lot of conventions or they just go just so they can have a badge for the weekend. It depends what the convention offers. Um, some cons do it good. Some cons do it bad. Some cons are like, uh, like packs where they have their enforcers and it's like a whole thing, like they're almost like a military brigade, you know, but they have fun doing that. Um, sometimes it's your small local, uh, anime con at your college. Um, a lot of those have cropped up in the last few years. So it really depends. Um, I wouldn't much like, I think there's a disconnect in, Wanting to be a part of what you enjoy to the point of giving your time to it. Like, oh, I like going, I like anime, so I'll start going to anime cons. Oh, I like that. I'm going to start working there. This should be my job. And if that doesn't happen, it's going to be a problem. Or I want to be a a big YouTuber and, oh, I'm doing it, but it's not doing well. These other guys are doing well and maybe I'll edit for this guy. Oh, I hate him now. You know, like there's a lot of (laughs) that that can happen where you just kind of maybe you should have got that engineering degree. So. I usually discourage at panels. I get a, we do a lot of panels, um, and you uh, know, and, and at Rutgers I was a film professor as well for a while, a couple uh, um, seasons there. Um, when they needed part time help, so I was like, yeah, I'll come back and do that. And I went to school there, and a lot of people ask me like, hey, how do you think I should? Sound? I'm like, it's tough, and a lot of it's dumb luck, and a lot of it's not fun. And at the end of the day, you're me, and you don't want to do that. <laughs> You <laughs> know, like like a lot of creatives have fun, I have a lot of fun with a lot of people I know, and uh, probably some people listening to this know me, and they're like, "Oh, shut the hell up already!" You know, so um, there's a lot of that, but but you, um, so you,
0: you basically think don't follow your passion because that will end up going badly for you. So instead- I would
1: say I, I wouldn't say that so much as following your passion sometimes leads to a lot of uh, risk, and I think there's something I think. I'm trying to ride this fine line between, like, like for example, let's say you wanted to be that astronaut and you strive and you go to school and that you're going to learn and do a lot of discernible skills that are going to get you into something that's productive and that makes you happy and you do, even though you're not an astronaut, but struggling every day to try and be a YouTuber and learning skills that might not work other places. I don't know, maybe, or especially with conventions, like, what are you going to do with that outside? Like, it's, it's good for friends and, and all that other kind of stuff, but what's the next stage and I, I wouldn't discredit it's great if you're passionate and do it but just by being there and showing up i don't know if that's enough i guess i'll put it like that
2: yeah it reminds
0: me i do of, think there. oh go ahead oh Matt. go
2: on oh we've we've reached that it's called it's the the little dance you do like when you're walking uh somebody in a hallway and one goes left one goes right and you just match up you know the the <laughs> yeah. is a jig it's a dancing yeah. in the is a jig because yeah. nobody can figure out what to do we just had that um I do think there are a lot of roles, though that that are that people don't realize exist. Uh, so you went into a bunch of different things mm-hmm. that uh, you've done with various companies, right? Yeah. You can you can be YouTube adjacent without being some on camera four times a week guy. And I wish more of the the newer and smaller YouTubers would realize that – I mean, you can be me too, like working with somebody like Kevin.
1: You need to make videos that you're passionate about, either making or things you're talking about or otherwise. You can't just be like, I'm a person that exists. I'll just film myself and it will all work out. I'll be a vlogger because that's that's the thing that I think a lot of the – younger crowd sees like i'm, I'm just gonna play games because that works for this guy or i'm just gonna fill myself because i'm attractive that's not me by the way um <laughs> so i think it really depends it's, it's all mindset because of course there's millions of people that want to become doctors every year that don't i went to school for pre-med so here i am so it's like that yeah but but
0: we don't hear the stories like you know matt is talking about about the youtube adjacent people and I think this is a really important time to tell those stories and that was ex- why I was so excited to to bring you on because I know that you've had so many roles over the years in this industry yeah. but I think that it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger in terms of the amount of people who will be working on YouTube channels. I mean, I did this thing. I did a collaboration with a channel called uh Donut Media mm-hmm. last year, which is a car- the, uh,
1: the auto stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, they do car videos. It is a gigantic team. I mean, this is yeah, not like I, a like, little YouTube outfit.
1: I think like 10 people I know from Maker or other places went over there, and they're doing very well. So
0: They're doing great. They all seem to really enjoy... The work that they're doing, the videos that they make are beautiful. Like, they're really,
1: really high production. The the problem is now YouTube's turning – like, these companies are turning into things like working YouTube adjacent. Like, you might be the, you know, administrative assistant that works for one of these people. Or you might be an editor. Or you might be, you know, a a PA. Or you might be – like, they're they're almost like little film studios in that regard. And I think we're at a stage where – it's almost like the conversation we're having right now is like, hey, just because you tried and couldn't be a movie star on screen, you could operate the camera. You know, you could, <laughs> you know, you, you 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 might be the gaffer or the light guy or you might bring the coffees to so-and-so or you might, you know, so it, I, it, it, it's I weird. I wouldn't
0: put it that way. I, w- I would put it th- this way. When yeah. when I was coming up trying to be a YouTuber, I was deep frying chicken wings five days a week. Okay. Right. And then I was doing YouTube afterwards. Now it seems like there's so much opportunity to actually work on YouTube channels, editing videos, or even just getting coffee or whatever. And you're, you're learning through osmosis and through hands-on yeah, actual I, I experience while you can still try to build your YouTube channel.
1: I think there are jobs like that and doing that, but a lot of people get burnout or they don't. I, I think there's a lot of struggle of that too um but i guess in any corporate setting trying to climb the ladder and being the intern to trying to be the ceo i guess um i guess just how it is it's it's you said like what do you what do you do when uh like is that a real job like what do you do it's like yeah and it, if anything it's it's more real cuz y- you see where you know it can go um very easily just by looking around the same platform you know
2: the people who who have worked in this kind of stuff for a sufficient amount of time, in my opinion, tend to know, have I have a much better understanding of the broad things that go on in a business than so many of the entrepreneurial circles that I was in years ago. And you just get exposed to everything like it was perfectly natural for uh, you to be, to bring up a very specific problem with taxes. You've seen that because you you kind of can't avoid it. Mm. And so- uh what i what I like about all of these places they're all they're all relatively small shops you know whether it's uh you know even the even when we talk about you know the companies they're not that big and you just plain get a taste of everything it may not be your job, but you're watching it go on in the next room and you're hearing about it when you talk to the other nine people who work there and I, I think there's a weird kind of value in in that exposure that if you hang around long enough, you have a really good sense of what you could do next. Like, I, I think that in a strange way, a lot of the online production people are better positioned to open any kind of business at all if they decide they don't want to do media anymore.
1: Yeah, but I guess for that to work, I guess is you can't just be a fan. You have to be involved, um, you have to be engaged and not passive. So, um, because at at the end of the day, it is a very you know you're working for the consumer, and the consumers are people watching your videos and doing stuff. So you kind of have to be on the other side of that, and it's kind of hard being a random person who just watches YouTube videos somewhere to then figure out how to be a YouTuber. But I'd re- I can probably go to L. A. and get a job doing a YouTube thing quicker than I can go be a, a movie guy or you know like so. Yeah, I guess you build up those skill sets and, and there's a lot of um, hard skills you can learn like editing or, or audio stuff um, that you guys you know are taking a part of currently or whatever. But there's so many soft skills you need to learn for this kind of thing and people skills and kind of and mitigating problems and not freaking out and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that too aside from learning the tax code.
0: Yeah, the mitigating problems are
1: all problems very transferable thing, skills.
0: Yeah, the mitigating problems thing, I think, Matt, is one of the biggest transferable things that you uniquely get in YouTube because mm, everything yeah. that you make and you upload is subject to the rest of the world tearing you down for. And there are not a lot of sectors in which that's ever going to be the case. I mean, at worst, you know, you create a thing in some business and like, the board members get mad, I guess. Or if you're at like such a scale where you have like stockholders you're beholden to, you know, but that's all internal. It's not like public facing for the most part, right? Where all of a sudden everyone is just ripping you apart or making like drama videos about how much you suck. And now like a million (laughs) other people are like watching it and talking about how much you suck. Like that's a pretty unique place to be.
1: There's a lot of people that say suck many, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I get to talk to you guys, I guess. That's cool. Um, Yeah, but I I think in terms of those kind of, you know, the last few statements we make, at at least at Waver with Too Many Games, every person much like the marines everyone's a rifleman so it doesn't matter how high you are in the company you're in the dirt you're moving the boxes you're shipping stuff out you're doing this or that you just have to do what needs to get done so it gets done and people on the outside just have to see that oh those guys did all that cool stuff they don't have to know how it happened or why it happened or whatever and that's kind of how it works at this stage so
0: before we wrap up i want to ask about your gengar collection is that how you mm-hmm. pronounce it? I'm I am so not a Pokemon guy, so I don't know. Is it Gengar?
1: Yeah, Gengar. Yeah, he's the the purple ghost Pokemon. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you have what I'm assuming is the world's largest Gengar collection.
1: Uh, probably, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's another. There's a couple other people that I've talked to over the years, but they've they've bowed out. Um,
0: I like I like how matter of factly you you confirm that. Probably, yeah, yeah.
1: World's well, largest. I'm currently sitting
0: world's largest Gengar collection behind yeah,
1: next to both of them. I mean, <laughs> I can send you some pics. I mean, it, it's grown dr- like well, I had the world's largest Steven Zagal collection, which I had over here, but I had to replace it with more Gengar. so I need to move that somewhere else. But, um, but that started an irony. The Gengar stuff I actually like. Um, and I played competitive Pokemon for a while because um, I grew up with it and uh, um, got into it more when I was doing the YouTube stuff. So when we met, like uh, Zagnant, who the de- uh, the voice actor Professor Oak from the original animated series. Like we had him dress up as him, and we had him do all that stuff. So I just got more and more into it, and then the, doing the convention stuff. Then I'm just playing Pokemon with everybody. So and with the new games coming out, you know, I played through that, have a team, and all that. But you know, I don't have the time to like compete anymore. But uh, you know, I just have fun with it, and I just like collecting my little purple crap. So wait, we have
0: uh, in our Discord uh, the image of Steven Seagal eating the carrot. Mm-hmm. Is the is a custom emoji that I use all the time in our Discord. Mm-hmm. So we have a Steven Seagal connection here. What in the world did the world's largest Steven Seagal collection consist of, aside from like movie posters? What else is there?
1: Uh, I was uh, I called it the Wall of Seagal, and it was. <laughs> um, well, I have it all boxed now because I'm going to put it on the the rental review. Uh, set, um, I have a peg, uh, like a peg wall where I'm gonna put all the stuff so it looks like you can buy it in a store for one of the, for the sets that we have that looks like a rental store. Um, it's, uh, every movie, uh, on every format, um, uh, VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, HD, DVD, Laserdisc, 16 millimeter film, all that kind of stuff, um, <laughs> I don't have too many posters, even though I, I do come from a poster, um, you know, thing. I, I just hung up a Final Fantasy Spirits Within poster, the Matrix Hollow poster, so it looks like the letters are falling, uh, Street Fighter, the movie. So I have a lot of that in the office now. This, 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 this is not now. Now we're into my hobbies, which is bad. Um, let's see what else I have. Um, I have like something from like the Celebrity Guide to Wine to um, stuff that A&E would send out for the his TV show, um, uh, Lawman or whatever it was. Um, Where they would send it in, like, a bulletproof vest-looking thing, like the DVD would hide in there. Um, I have the most cans of Steven Seagal uh, energy drink when he made that in 2003. And uh, on Rental Reviews, um, we're having theme months right now for our reviews, and in March, it's March Shull Arts Month. March. <laughs> and uh because right now we're in february we're all doing jim carrey movies so next month is March because i review films on friday on cinemassacre and uh the last episode of the month which i believe is on march 27th friday which is also my birthday go me um <laughs> i'm gonna drink one of the cans of the energy drink that's 15 years old nice. <laughs> uh, it's cherry it's cherry charge they came in cherry charge and asian experience they never released root beer um Agent Experience's film well, had goji berries in it, and they said Steven Seagal went through the mountainside and picked them to put them in the drink. There's a great commercial of it. Steven Seagal is like a, like a, the best meme, I guess. Like you're hanging out with Vladimir Putin and uh, eating carrots and being a general scumbag. And I took the collection down too because <laughs> people were like, hey, stuff's gonna come about, come out about him eventually, and you're not gonna want all that. I know it's a joke, and I know you've been following action movie stuff because his first five movies are good from, um, you know, Above the Law, Out for Justice, um, Mark for Death. Uh, under Siege? Under Siege is number five and, and Hard to Kill, which started as Seven Year Storm, which I have the crew jacket for. So a lot of that stuff. Um, man, uh, he has a pocket knife. He has music albums. He does. He sings the blues, which isn't bad, actually. He has a huge uh, re- uh, uh, vintage gu- uh, guitar collection, one of the largest, actually, with all the money he has. Um just a bunch of other crap. A bobblehead, um, you know, just a lot of stuff. It only fits in two totes. It's, it's, the, it's the largest collection in terms of no one else has it. It's not like I did a lot the Gengar stuff I have. That is a mess. That's a problem. Like, I'm looking at him right now. But uh, the Seagal stuff is, I doubt he has that much stuff. He doesn't care.
2: Other than the man himself, you might be the best positioned person who's ever lived to answer the question that I'm about to ask you. What is the essence of a man?
1: <laughs> is that the Have you Seagal seen
2: that, Kevin? Yeah, have you seen that? Which movie is it where he's like against the oil company or something and has the bar fight? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, um, um,
0: <sighs> it's the one where he's in Alaska with the, yeah. I think so.
2: He's vaguely
1: native. Yeah. Uh, what is the yeah. essence of a man? Oh, uh, 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 on on Deadly Ground. Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That came out um, ninety uh, four. I think that that's when they started getting bad. After under 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 siege, you can see the rise and fall of Steven Seagal's popularity with the rise and fall of home video compared to things not coming in the movie, especially on DVD. Because as soon as DVDs came out, there was like two a year, um, and they're really bad. Like. He started just doing, like, uh, like Die Hard on a, uh, on, in a submarine, and it's called Submerged, and it's terrible, because, you know, because Die Hard on a, on a battleship is under siege, basically. Oh, right. um, You know, he he was just in so many, so many, so many bad movies, and now he doesn't even act in I mean, them. Like, they'll shoot green screen up in one movie and then put it in another. Like, it, it's they just pump those out. He's terrible. Um, I might be better at martial arts than him. Um <laughs> <laughs> I I will burn that bridge with Stevens. I, I, I love I love to meet him. Get a signed autograph. That'd be great. Oh, I have a Stevens call a, a stamp. Um, <laughs> from the great nation of Estonia, gave him a stamp. Uh, I don't know why, but I don't know. I just got I oh, like know. a
0: postal stamp. I thought yeah, you meant like stamp. a rubber stamp. To <laughs> no, like stamp. Stevens. That'd Segal be a
1: good things. one. Yeah. yeah. Like 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 it's like this. net Yeah. They like stamp the back of it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So really, really quick, because I have to tell you this. Uh, I have a Steven Seagal story, and and then and then we got to go. Sure. So, uh, my father's business partner was at a house party at Steven Seagal's house, met, like many many years ago in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, yeah, sure. I don't I don't know where it was. <laughs> um, so they're they're at the dinner party. Everybody's having a good time. Whatever. All of a sudden, Steven Seagal is like, Shh, hold on." And pulls out a a handgun and leaves the party, checks the perimeter for, you know, intruders, I guess, or like enemy combatants, and then comes back into the house, puts his gun away, and just resumes the party as if nothing happened. Sounds like him.
1: (laughs) That's that
0: a 100% like a- true. Uh, Steven Seagal story. Yeah, I love that
1: um, uh, Rob Schneider has a lot of good Steven Seagal stories that he does on, like, Howard Stern's show and stuff. And there's a lot of stories about the dude, and a lot of them are coming out that aren't that good, where he's, like, you know, showing women his guns in hotel rooms and things like that. And I'm just like, oh, no. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think Gengar is the safer uh, collection to. To lean into for
1: you. I, yeah, I just got the Gengar Skateboard from uh, Bear Walker Skateboards. They only made 150 of them. It's very – I like it. I just seem to hang it up. But yeah, that's that's a lot more fun than dealing with <laughs> that goddamn psychopath. I'm still going to hang it up and drink the energy drink and hopefully die. Um, oh, I also, I also <laughs> have the, um, the unreleased video game. He made a video game called uh, uh, Steven Seagal, uh, The Final Option. Oh, my gosh. The yeah. final
0: option is drinking his energy drink. Um Listen, what a way to go though. If it does kill you,
1: that's what I'm thinking. It's like, wow, that guy just dead. I'm like, hey, listen, that's just how it is. Like my girlfriend's like, don't please, don't do it. What if you die? I'm like, because that's how I live. It's the essence of
0: a man. (laughs) (laughs) That is the essence of a man.
1: We got to
2: make sure too on the on the way out that we get the dates on too many games, so everybody knows.
1: When that's happening this year. Sure. Let me go on the website because I forget uh, it. You know, just go to too many games.com. They do a bunch of satellite events uh, in the year too, including a big one at the end of the year in December for a charity. But uh, our main show is uh, this June 26th to the 28th at the greater Philadelphia expo center in Oaks PA. Well,
0: there you go. Check that out. Check out Cinemassacre. three videos a week of great great content and um, dude, definitely take pictures of the Gengar collection so that we can share them on uh, Patreon as well as in the discord for
1: yeah I actually haven't posted new pics yet I've been waiting to do that so absolutely all right
0: perfect thanks so much for for taking the time to do this Justin appreciate
1: it man yeah thanks you guys sorry for getting so bummed out there talking about YouTube and everything I have fun with every day so you know (laughs) I'm just trying to cut the competition (laughs) as Master Seagal would say
0: yes (laughs) On that note, thanks, guys. See you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. If you liked what you heard, and I certainly hope that you did, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really go a long way. While you're at it, you can also watch the video version of this show on YouTube.com slash TheCreateUnknown. Follow us on social media. We tweet at CreateUnknown. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the Unknown. can follow me, Matt, and the show on Podchaser for podcast updates. You can also find a link to our Discord in the show notes. We love our Discord because we get to talk to you and you get to talk to us. So join our Discord. Our website is thecreateunknown.com. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check out what we do on YouTube at Vsauce2 and on Twitter at Kev Lieb and Tabor TCU. Links in the show notes. This episode was edited by Zalgaloo. Our theme song is by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Mo Lewitt. Until next time, see you, space cowboys.